Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, my friends, I am chomping at the bit today because this is our last episode of 2021. And uh, always gets me. I was just telling Oz that this always gets me these uh, certain episodes every year. This is this is one of them that does um, because there's some things that I always like to say or talk about in episodes like this. So just gets me a little bit, uh, I don't know, I'm a softy, I guess, when you get down to it. But anyway, email Todd at ToddFShow.com. You can also, um, you know, you might want to, you might be thinking, hey, man, what are we going to do here for the next week or so of not hearing the show? You can always go back, uh, download our podcast, which is absolutely free. Just search Todd Huff Show, or you can go to the website, ToddHuffShow.com slash podcast, and you can Click a link and download it from whatever, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts or just search the Todd Huff Show as well. And you can catch up on anything you might have missed. We'll forgive anything you might have missed uh, between, uh, well, up until this point. And then, of course, uh, we'll be back, Adam, on January the, I think it's the 3rd, that first Monday. Um, anyway, good to be here. I want to I start today, a couple things I want to get to, but I want to start by talking about Biden's speech yesterday um, about, well, his plan. He's got another plan, right? Another plan to stop COVID. Actually, if you remember, Biden promised us he was going to shut down the virus back in the campaign of 2020. I mean, by my count, we are on version 6.0, I'm guessing here, of Biden's plan to shut down the virus. We're still not there. In fact, back in September, you may remember, they had a six-point strategy. This reminds me of The Office. For those of you that watch The Office, I'm a fan of The Office. Remember the the episode where Michael Scott (laughs) was invited by David Wallace to go to the shareholders meeting for Dunder Mifflin, and he went on stage, and um, the audience, which was shareholders, was not happy with the things they were hearing um, from the company, from the executives. And Michael, being Michael Scott, takes to the microphone and says, 45-day plan, 45-day, 45-point plan, and we're going to save the company, turn it around, all this sort of stuff. And the fans, of the, the, the shareholders were cheering. They loved it. It sounded great. And he goes back into the boardroom with the executives, with the powers that be, and they were basically calling him an idiot he had no idea what he was talking about. The fate of the company had been uh, sealed by previous decisions. They didn't have enough time to save it and all this sort of stuff. Um, but we're on. We're basically in those days. Only instead of it being the valuation of a of a publicly traded company, as Dunder Mifflin was in the uh, fictional space of the office, we're talking about our nation. Biden's got a six point strategy back in September. After telling us earlier during the campaign of 2020 that he was going to shut down the virus, after telling us in 
the campaign of 2020 when he decided to come out of the basement on those rare occasions when he wasn't standing on a stage in front of nine parked cars in a parking lot because that's all the people they could get there. When he wasn't talking in front of a crowd, horns occasionally honking, almost always from someone dozing off in their car, head hitting the horn accidentally. That's what was happening at those, by the way. And all that stuff. When he decided to actually come out and, and, and say something during the campaign, make a statement, it had something to do with COVID most times. And he would say things like, you shouldn't be president of the United States. You're not qualified. You should step down. You shouldn't um, you, you, you shouldn't be president, period, if you've presided over the deaths of 200, what's 220,000, I believe, was the number at the time. Over 400,000 have died, um, according to the data were, you know, the, the, their, their calculations and the data that they have today, in 2021. So that's twice as many, almost twice as many. I don't want to get too sophisticated with the radical left who may be tuning in today with math, but that's almost twice. <laughs> twice. Take it easy. I love you, radical leftists. Just, but it's true. You don't know how to do math. Otherwise, you wouldn't be socialist. But anyhow, so you have Biden, who's been out there politicizing this virus from the beginning, right? When Trump shut down travel with China, Biden said it was xenophobic. When... Trump takes certain actions. They weren't taken soon enough, even though it was sooner than the leftists. The leftists were out there. The Democrats were out there saying, come on out. Everything's fine. Remember Nancy Pelosi, Bill de Blasio. There's others as well. Trump was trying to take actions, but yet somehow, somehow Trump is still blamed for all this stuff in the, well, broken mind of of Joe Biden. I, I hate to say that. It's the truth, though. I you know, my job is to talk about politics and where uh, the way it's not it, – it's the wrong way of looking at it, but it's also trying to politicize it. And it's it's a broken worldview is ultimately what it comes down to for, for the left. Um, and on top of that, Biden um, is clearly um, – there, there's problems with his ability to communicate and, and to – think things through so anyway um he came out yesterday and spoke i don't know what time it even was i want to say it was around three o'clock eastern it might have that's ballpark time and i listened to this thing i feel like it i didn't look exactly at the time but i think it went about 20 20 minutes or so um but this is now his I don't know, at least third attempt, fourth attempt, fifth attempt, sixth attempt to shut down the virus as he promised us. The six-point strategy in September didn't work. That was when he told unvaccinated people that his patience was wearing thin. Remember that? That's right. Our patience is wearing thin, he told us back in September, blaming you for the problem, blaming anyone, blaming us, anybody, whether vaccinated or not. If, you, if you're vaccinated and don't wear your mask, you're the, you're the problem. If you're unvaccinated... You're the problem. If you're vaccinated and didn't get the booster, you're the problem. If you're vaccinated and you got the booster but you didn't get your kids vaccinated, you're the problem. Anybody's the problem here in Joe Biden's mind and the left's mind besides the left and besides Joe Biden. Now, my takeaway is if you watch this speech, um, first of all, my apologies that you had to endure that. But if you didn't, I'm going to tell you basically what this thing was all about. The main message the main message of this entire speech, I felt like he repeated himself 27 times. I think this could have been a 17-second speech. The speech was 
basically, get the shot, get the booster, wear a mask, get tested, and we're going to have a mandatory vaccination policy for businesses. That's basically it. And a little bit of pleading, a little bit of begging, a little bit of guilt tripping, basically saying if you're if you want to be patriotic, the patriotic thing to do is to get vaccinated, implying that you're not a, a patriot. What does Biden know about being a patriot, by the way? But Biden says it's not patriotic if you are um, unvaccinated. Now, he did take questions at the end. I don't know if that was intentional. He did also make the comment, I'm not supposed to be having a press conference. But he answered a couple of questions, um, which I I actually will give him credit for because, um, well, because Saki basically said, I at least think she said, it made it sound like he wasn't going to be taking questions at all. So I don't know. If he changed his mind, if they, if he just got caught off guard, or if it was a strategic move, strategery, as Bush would say. Um, he also told us during this press conference, which was supposed to just be a statement, I guess, that the experts were wrong. Yeah, folks, the experts were wrong. No word if Biden is going to censor himself or ask Facebook and Twitter and other media outlets to censor his anti-scientific statement saying that uh, the experts were wrong on how quickly the Omicron variant was going to spread. No one could have seen it coming, he said. Remember Kamala said the other day, no one could have predicted there were going to be variants. <laughs> I mean, we all knew there were going to be variants. This is not surprising. I don't want to get into Kamala you know, and her, her remarks right now, but um, this... You know what I think. It's not this president's fault that we have COVID. It's not. It's not his fault. Can uh, Also, it's not the former president's fault that we have COVID. By the way, in his speech yesterday, Biden actually credited. Oh, yes, they credited the previous. They didn't say Trump's name. But he said, I, I'm paraphrasing here, credit to the, pre- give credit to the, credit to the previous administration who helped get this vaccination program started. Now, I've got various thoughts on this. Part of me thinks um, they're really, they really are concerned about people who are unvaccinated who are having dire consequences. Part of me thinks it's just another way that they're going to try to use this as a wedge to divide and conquer, um, to give the government more power and authority. Um, part of me wonders if some of the things today are not going to be used at some point to somehow spin this into good news if if Omicron isn't as bad as they're acting like it's going to be, which, again, folks, based upon what we've seen in the early data, this is, this is milder um, than what we've seen from previous variants, which should be celebrated, right? It should be celebrated if that is, in fact, accurate and true. Um, of course, I, you don't know what to believe in, in most cases anymore. Um. But part of me wonders if they are trying to make it look like the reason, you know, let's say that Omicron is not as bad as some people are freaking out and thinking it's going to be, then maybe I could certainly see these folks not letting a political opportunity go to waste here and praising Biden for these marvelous actions that he took, uh, talking about getting vaccinated, getting your kids vaccinated, getting boosters as somehow being responsible 
for, you know, turning the tide. I mean, I, I wonder all of these things as I listen to this speech. But all in all, I felt like this was kind of a campaign speech because he spent a lot of time. He repeated himself a lot, a lot of the same exact things we've heard all along. In fact, if I was to say, if someone was to ask me what new came from that, what, what was new that came from this, I um, something that they mocked a couple of weeks ago, which is uh, making these tests free. Um, Jen Psaki mocked that. I got the soundbite, but I don't think I'm going to play it. Basically, uh, she was critical of a reporter who asked the question of the possibility of sending everyone a vax or a not vaccine a um, a test kit in the mail. I guess. I mean, I don't know if these people have ever priced out direct mail campaigns, <laughs> but. It's got a hefty price tag with it. Of course, it's free. Everything's free in the world of Democrats and the media and the radical left. It's free, and this just happens to be there. And we pick them up, and you know, half billion, five hundred million uh, tests are going to be made available for free. But I think you have to request them. I don't know the whole. But anyway, the point is that's that's one thing that's new from this uh, this plan. They've not done away yet with the travel ban to the. Uh, to South Africa and other nations, although he mentioned at the end that that might be something that uh, comes out of this, uh, some future meetings with his with his staff and so forth. And if you fall, I mean, if it's here, I mean, um, it seems logical to me that that would be something that should be allowed because now you're just making uh, things more difficult on people who need to get to these other places around the world or for those countries trying to deal with the other consequences of, of COVID. Anyway, not a whole lot new. Um, I felt like, again, it was a campaign speech in the sense that he was basically talking about all the things he had done to turn the tide on this, which, again, he's a politician. I We should come to accept that that fact. But I think they're really grasping hard at straws here to, to find some political winner for Biden because everything – Folks, this is this is truly a dumpster fire in every conceivable way. Inflation, stagflation, reduced labor force, um, just decreased uh, consumer confidence, terrible polling numbers, build back better debacle, the fight with Joe Manchin. The I mean, some of these leftists, by the way, are getting. Awfully aggressive, calling Joe Manchin racist. I mean, I got a soundbite about that as well that I might play here shortly. But it's just not good. No matter where you look, illegal immigration, Afghanistan, what's been good here, my friends? Nothing. And everybody knows it. That's the other thing. Everybody knows it. There's no hiding here. So he's trying to remind us of the things that he's done, supposedly, to turn the tide here. Um, trying to make this something that can be the issue that makes him and his administration look good. I don't know. I mean, you got to think about the political aspect of this, too. It, it doesn't mean that they don't care about the spread of coronavirus. Both those things can be true. Uh, but they think they think politics first. They do. And so what, what did I not hear? And I'll take a break here in a moment. But what did I not hear? I didn't hear any talk about treatment. To me... That should be something that we should be talking a whole lot about. The, all the talk is about vaccinations and these vaccines, which folks are proving to not stop someone from getting the virus. Well, you'll say, Todd, now wait a minute. 
it stops people from getting very sick and from dying. That's not 100% accurate, but it appears that that is generally the case. Now, there's also a factor in there that the vaccines have caused major problems and even death for some people. There's argument as to, as to uh, concerning how many. Some people say you can't look at the VAERS data. It's extraordinarily high. Other people say what's reported in VAERS is just a percentage of what's actually happening. So you have all this fighting about numbers and vaccines. But what about treatment? Right? I didn't hear anything about treatment. To me, that's we should know now how to treat this. And I know some of you are saying we do. And you're asking the question, why aren't we? And you have some of you have opinions and answers for this, but why aren't we promoting those treatments? Why isn't that the case? But I didn't hear talk about treatment, which seemed to me to be an obvious thing that we should pursue with every ounce of our ability. Because if you can treat it, um, all the fighting about vaccines diminishes quickly, uh, rather immediately, right? Now, some someone would say, Todd, a ounce of prevention is worth the pound of cure. And I understand that. But if the prevention really isn't preventing the disease or stopping the disease and there are side effects from the prevention, then it seems to me we should at least think about think about treatment. Also, um, something else that was mentioned that I've wondered all along, and again, I'm not in the hospital. I'm not a hospital administrator. I'm just a regular guy, right? I got a, got a radio show. I mean, I've got, you know, we talk about politics, and you know, I've, I've had businesses and all this, you know, I've different experiences in my life, but he mentioned during this speech trying to coordinate with hospitals to get patients transferred um, to hospitals that are not overwhelmed or you know that are not experiencing a spike. To me, this is one of the very first things you do. You figure out, okay, if we think there's going to be an increase in the need, the demand for hospital beds or hospital equipment, hmm, let's think about how we accommodate that. Let's get some extra equipment in. Number one, let's figure out how we can expand if this does happen quickly. Well, Todd, there's staffing problems and difficulties in getting supplies. I get that. That's a reality too. But then you say, okay, maybe we can move people around. Why does this take a year and a half, almost two years to even – this is the first I'd even heard of Biden mentioning this as well. So this speech was, again – not very good. There was not a whole lot new there. The things that were new, um, I feel like should have been in this from the beginning, minus the tech, the free test stuff. Um, people are willing to buy these tests. They just can't get them. They can't get them. And why can't they get them? I mean, we've got all sorts of reasons. But you got to consider the uh, impact of our supply chain crisis, which has largely been created by government response. Not all of it, folks, but a lot of it has been the result of the way governments responded to all this stuff. Some of it is just COVID in general, certainly. Other factors, that's a possibility as well. But government has hindered the market's ability to respond to demand, right, effectively. And so, but it felt like a campaign speech. He repeated uh, the same thing 27 times, get the shot, get the booster, wear a mask, get tested, and make sure that your uh, business basically requires a vaccine mandate. And that's a good thing. That's what he's – I'm not saying That's what he's saying. Quick time out. Plenty of, more to, uh, plenty of other things to get to. Um, there might be – well, 
Let's get to the next segment, and then the latter half of the program, I want to switch gears and get to something else, as we always do around the Christmas holiday, my friend. So, again, last episode of 2021. I'll be back here on January 3rd, so um, just want to get to a couple things. Folks, quick timeout. Back here in just a minute. back my friends so 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 i want to get to maybe a couple of these sound bites i've i've gone back and forth as to whether or not i want to do this but i do want to play a couple of these sound bites from this um speech yesterday that biden gave these are short clips um of you know his press conference or whatever his statement that turned into that turned into a press conference, which again, at the end of the thing, he literally said, I'm not supposed to be having a press conference. You know, he says that all the time. They don't want me saying this. They don't want me talking to you. They don't want me taking questions, whatever he, whatever it is. It's just bizarre for the president of the United States. I mean, he, he doesn't really, he answers to the American people. His staff isn't in control. I mean, they are. That's the point. They are. Um, but that's not really the way that it's, it's supposed to work. So, a um, couple things I want to get he- I get to here. One of these is I'm trying to see which bite I want to play first. This is Biden. Um, this is Biden. This is what leftists do, right? They they do things because it's they say it's best for you, right? The, the, the things that they're telling us to do is in our best interest. This is Biden explaining that. Vaccination requirements are not popular. However, however, they're necessary to help save your life. So says President Biden and today's Democrat Party. Listen to this. I know vaccination requirements are not popular for many. They're not even popular for those who are anxious to get them. My administration has put them in place not to control your life, but to save your life. Oh, my goodness. In the lives of others, where 400,000 Americans died from COVID this calendar year. And who's responsible, according and to your logic? almost all were unvaccinated. Almost all were preventable. The rule is legal and effective. And it's going to save thousands of American lives. Yeah, so that last part there he said, it's kind of hard to hear. He says that they are legal and effective. But they're doing this to save your life. They're not doing it to control your control your life. It's to save your life, you bunch of idiots, is basically, basically what he's saying here. 400,000 people, again, as he says, have died of COVID in 2021. Um, in 2020, before the election, it was 220,000, and he said at the time that no one should be president if they presided over the deaths of 220,000 people. By his own logic, again, this should have been a concession speech today. He should have resigned. By his own logic. Not by my logic. I'm not blaming the guy for this. I'm blaming him for the politicization of this. I'm blaming him for the silliness that we have to be subjected to each and every day and figure out what's coming next. Um, The way that they have just continued to, to, to put people in massive amounts of fear when in most cases that's not even necessary. And again, you can say COVID is a serious thing. We should... Try to figure out, I mean, all treatments, prevention, all this stuff. 
and at the same time say that the amount of fear that's being peddled on the American people is is a lot. Biden also said that we can, if we've been vaccinated and boosted, I believe, the great Emperor Biden gives you permission <laughs> to see to see your family this Christmas. Well, listen to this if you don't believe me. Oh, some Americans are wondering if you can safely celebrate the holidays with your family and friends. The answer is yes, you can. If you and those you celebrate with are vaccinated, particularly if you've gotten your booster shot, if you are vaccinated and follow the precautions that we all know well, Mm -hmm. you should feel comfortable celebrating Christmas and the holidays as you planned it. Okay, so I guess that implies that if you're not vaccinated or boosted, you should not feel safe seeing your family. This just is, I, I look, this just is a little, well, or a lot, irresponsible. Now, I want to play this, and then we'll take a break. At the end, I, I mentioned he had taken questions, um, and then there was this thing at the end. Someone asked, one of these reporters asked him about Joe Manchin and Joe Manchin's opposition to the Build Back Better bill, tongue twister, not just for Biden, but for the rest of us as well. Build Back Better bill. Um, And this is his response. (laughs) Now, there was a couple of instances in this speech where Biden really uh, cranked up the drama here, almost trying to scold the American people, um, wanting people to feel like he's tough and in charge and just at his wit's end, um, as it pertains to people that he would consider wrong or stupid, which in this particular instance, I guess, involves Joe Manchin. Or in the previous conversations, it would be the unvaccinated or the people who are vaccinated but not boosted or the people who didn't vaccinate their children, the people who don't wear masks and uh, you know places where there are people, whatever, people that Biden thinks are stupid. Throughout this speech, there was a little bit of, well, at times a lot of condescension and Uh, I'm going to call it uh, manufactured anger. I'm not saying there's no anger. The anger comes from people not listening, right? The the great emperor has spoken. We're supposed to do what they tell us. But I want you to listen to this exchange where he goes after Joe Manchin and uh, basically makes uh, this the the moral case. It's not a moral case. I mean, he's, he's wrong on this. But what he thinks is the moral case to support Build Back Better. Here it is. You strip away all the dignity of a parent looking at their child. I'm not joking about this. Imagine being a parent. No. Looking at a child. I am a parent. And you can't afford. You have no house to borrow against. You have no savings. Can't get a job because it's wrong. Biden but all the, the things in that bill are going to reduce prices and costs for insane. middle class and working class people. It's going to reduce Are you insane? their cost. What, what, what's inflation? Having to pay more than the money you have because things have gone up. <laughs> That's well, bring down all those costs across the board from child care to a child care tax credit. That's hardly what inflation is. Inflation, <laughs> inflation isn't spending more money than you've got. That's, gov- that's living your life as Democrats govern and legislate. What inflation is is when the money you have is worth less because people like joe biden and other democrats who are voting for all sorts of things that flood the market with money they devalue what's there because they put too much of it in and there's a that's in in summary that's the truth 
anyway, that was some some of the, well, I'd say highlights, but I guess low points of yesterday's speech where Biden is going to save us from ourselves. Thank you, President Biden, for forcing people to do things that are in their best interest. I mean, spoken like a true authoritarian, my friends. I mean, it is. It, it really is. Forget about persuasion. Force. Force is what they always seem to turn to. Always. It's it's just what they believe. They're smarter than the rest of us. They know best, and we will fall in line and capitulate or else. That's what we're seeing, and it's it's sad. It really is. It's not the role of a president. This is a mess. Got to take a break, though. So type my friends back here in just a minute. All right, my friends. So I want to play this soundbite. I alluded to this earlier. This is Congressman Jamal Brown from the state of New York, apparently forgetting that Joe Manchin is a Democrat because these attacks that he throws out in this, um, well, this tirade is precisely what is reserved for, for Republicans, for conservatives. So he is asked by, um, he's on CNN here, and I don't have the name of the, I should have pulled that up. I don't have the name of the reporter or the host here. That's not intentional. Um, I just don't have it handy. Um, she asks him, and not, so this is in response to Joe Manchin, not supporting the Build Back Better bill. Congressman, she asks, what did you think when you heard him say that? And again, she played the soundbite from him speaking, uh, telling Brett Baer on Fox over the weekend that he could not support the Build Back Better bill. And so she asked, what did you think when you heard that? Buckle up for this. And by the way, you'll also listen, also hear the, I mean, he, he starts kind of low and he's like, I, I don't know, it sounds like he's about ready to fight somebody at the end of this. But just listen to this is a person in his own party. Listen to this totally irresponsible and mischaracter way of handling this question, an absolute mischaracterization of what this bill is. Listen to this. So this is exactly why tens of millions of Americans don't care about our government, don't trust our government, and are done with our government. Not just the Republican Party, but the Democratic Party as well. Uh, I was infuriated uh, when I heard those comments, but I wasn't surprised because we had been sounding the alarm on this for several months, worried about what Manchin was going to do uh, when it was time for him to make a decision. It went from $3.5 trillion to $1.75 trillion because him, mm-hmm, his special math. interests, his donors and lobbyists were cutting the bill for several months because they did not want this bill to pass. Okay. Why? Tell us because why. this bill disproportionately supports uh, people of color. Of it course. supports people of color. It supports women. It supports children. It supports those who are poor and lifts them out of poverty. Oh, uh, why it. wouldn't Manchin want to support that when this <sighs> would benefit uh, West Virginia tremendously? It's tremendously frustrating for me as a black man mm-hmm. in America because, once again, it's an example of Joe Manchin as a white man showing that he doesn't care about black people. Of course, that's the only way. He doesn't care about Latinos. He doesn't care about immigrants. He doesn't care about women. And Gee, he doesn't whiz. care about the poor. He is a millionaire. <laughs> 
Man. And he has the privilege to kick the can down the road and not vote for this bill while the people in my district are suffering. We just buried a 17-year-old who was shot dead in the head a couple of weeks ago. This bill has $2.5 billion for violence prevention. It has universal child care, universal pre-K. It finally deals with the climate issue. The same way black and brown people and women were kept out of the New Deal, Joe Manchin's trying to keep people out of this bill today, and it's unacceptable, and we need to do everything in our power to make sure it passes. So what... Yikes. <laughs> I mean, that... That's an all-out assault. The only way that you can be against this bill is if you're racist, if you hate women and children. And he brings up this tragic death of a – I don't know what the circumstances were, but anytime a seven – I mean, anytime there's any tra shooting, it's tragic. Even, even if uh, – it's just tragic. Even if people put themselves in positions – I'm not, I'm not implying is the case here because I don't know the details – but it's tragic. But are we supposed to believe that Mansion voting for the bill uh, on Monday would have stopped a kid? This is just irresponsible. Would have stopped someone from getting murdered in this guy's district? I mean, come on. And did you notice? You might not have noticed because I think I chimed in at this point. But he was going along talking normal, and then he says, Latinos. I got to patronize the Latinos. I'm surprised he didn't say Latinx or whatever you're supposed to say if you're a leftist. I... This, this is just part and parcel, case in point here, of the reaction. Just the way that they demonize anybody who opposes their radical legislation. Well, the way he portrayed this, the way he described this, is absolutely not based in reality whatsoever. We've had the war on poverty for, what's it, 70, well, a long time. Nothing, I mean, it, there's other problems that need to be addressed. We refuse to deal with them. And that's what really kicks the can down the road. But this is irresponsible. Totally irresponsible. I got to take a break, my friend. Sit tight. Got some things I want to share with you after the break. Sit tight. Back in a minute. All right, my friends. I shared at the top of the program that this is one of my favorite episodes of the year. This Thanksgiving's another one. And it's just because, you know, th this time of year is, is just is wonderful to me. I, I, I think that about a lot of times of the year, um, although January and February are tough uh, to say that about. But, you know, this, this life, this chance that we have to, to live on this planet and to chase our dreams here in America, the this, this special place that we live, I, I am just in awe of this, especially the more I understand and learn about history. We are a blessed blessed people. I am blessed in particular by the calling on my life to do this show and you, right? You are who make this possible for me uh, and for our family. And folks, I am incredibly grateful for you. And I hope you can sense that as I, as I say this, um, it always, <clears throat> it gets to me a little bit, maybe even <laughs> truth be known, maybe even a lot. As I say, as I say these words, so I'm thankful for you. Thank you for listening to this program. Thank you for telling your friends about it. Thank you for watching our TV program, for signing up for the new uh, our newsletter, just for connecting, emailing me, just all of that. Thank you so much. It is, I, I'm just, I'm in awe of, of some of the things that I've been able to experience and hear uh, from people like you. I'm grateful, of course, to our advertisers as well. And um, it, the station, 
And folks, I always want to say at the end of the year here, or at Christmas in particular, that this, to me, this is the time of year that politics certainly matters. Absolutely. You know it. I talk about it every day. Worldview absolutely matters. And I think it should matter more to more people. But let me say this. If you're someone that doesn't agree with me on politics uh, or worldview, that's okay. I don't, I don't hate you. I don't. Um, I've learned that many would hate me. <laughs> it doesn't always, it's not always a, a two-way street there. But um, this time of the year is for, is for everybody. The, the story of Christmas, the reason that Jesus came to this planet, it doesn't matter what you believe, who you are, none of that. It, this, it does. I mean, don't, don't misunderstand me. But as far as why Jesus came, he came for you just where you are. You can, you can say bad things about him. You can mock him. You can ignore him. He still came for you. This is for everybody, liberal, conservative, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, male, female, young, old. We're all in need of a savior. And I am just, when I think about that, and I think about what this country needs, um, which which is a little bit of, well, maybe a lot of unity and a lot of Jesus. So I am, I want to say that as well. And I want to conclude here, I want to conclude here with just a quick update um, on the Truth Tour, which we've, you know, those of you that have followed the program, we've sold our house, bought a fifth wheel. We're going to be, um, we, we kind of had a, uh, a slow rollout here to get started. There's been a couple of reasons, and we, it, it just takes time to get some things going. But we are going to be on the road after the first of the year, um, not doing everything that I want to get to. We're just not quite ready yet. Um, but we will be rolling out here after the first of the year. It won't change what we do with the program because we can broadcast from this uh, from this fifth wheel um, from the studio in the back. So. Anyway, uh, we're that's going to take off, and you can hear more about that in the, uh, you know, you can follow us, and we'll share some information. Sign up for our email newsletter, or, or go to community.tothuffshow.com to uh, to get updates about the Truth Tour and get pictures and stories and all that. Maybe another podcast <clears throat> about that as well. Anyway, all sorts of things in the work. Got to take a break. Sit tight, friends. Back in just a minute. <laughs> All right, my friends, very last segment of the year, and I just want to give you a quick update. Um, I know that we have uh, shared with you a little bit last segment. We, we sold the house, bought the fifth wheel. We're traveling uh, the country on what we're calling the Truth Tour, and um, just been, I don't want to say delayed. It just takes some time to get some things rolling, but we've been moving towards it. I shared that with you at the beginning, but um, I want to tell you, too, that there are two of our... We, Two of our advertisers especially helped us in this process. I don't mean to imply the, the others have been great as well, but just I had needs, specific needs. Um, we had needs during this process. One, Scott Veerkamp was our realtor who helped us sell the house, and I highly recommend Scott Veerkamp. Great guy, great patriot, good, solid Christian man. Loved the guy. Spoke with him even yesterday. ScottVeerkamp.com if you're looking for a realtor in central Indiana. V-E-E-R-K-A-M-P dot com. Also, bought a truck from our friend, and who I can't say enough nice things about this guy as well, uh, but Greg Hubler. Greg Hubler Chevy dot com. That's his local uh, store here in central Indiana. But we ended up getting it from the Ford dealer that he has in Muncie. 
took great care of us. It's exactly what we need. Again, I, Greg and his team, fantastic. Greg Hewler, Chevy.com. But we're grateful, folks. And so our plan here as we launch over the next uh, few months is to go to Florida and take a trip to the Gulf Coast and um, head through Texas, southern New Mexico, and Arizona, which is where we will kind of wrap up. And so we're revamping some things on the sales side, the way that we – are selling some advertising. I'm very happy with a new company that we've partnered with on that. Excited. That's going to help us. Then we're going to target some stations and hopefully also begin the speaking part of this process of well, but uh, as well. But it is a process. If you want to follow us, go to community.toddhuffshow.com or sign up for our email newsletter, toddhuffshow.com slash subscribe, and we will update you on some of the things we're doing. Folks, that's all the time that we have. Thank you so much. I am grateful. I am blessed beyond belief. Have a Merry Christmas. Have a Happy New Year again. Remember, no matter who you are, Jesus came to die for you, my friend, this Christmas season. We all celebrate his coming to this planet and ultimately his life, death, and resurrection at Easter. Folks, have a wonderful Christmas. Happy New Year. S-D-G. S-D-G.